In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to give us a new name. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, many of you know that I have children that have, well, sort of unusual names. In fact, the most usual of our children's name is Willow, and um, they, they get actually a, a, a little bit more um, a, a more rare and more unique as, as you go up. So, so my, my second born is named Tempest and, and my eldest is named Cricket. And, and so they have these names that not a whole lot of other people have. And so it always interests me when I hear about how homogenous names were before sort of our era today. And, and so uh, one of those names that comes up is, is uh, Joe. And, and I remember that from being a kid because when, when I was a kid, I, was, I grew up in a foreign country and, and in a foreign country where uh, people knew that every American's name was Joe. And so I, I remember walking down the street and people would say, hey, Joe, hey, Joe, hey, Joe. And I remember turning to my mother at one point, looking at her and saying, mom, why are they calling me Joe? My name is Jay. And she had to explain like, oh, well, that's just sort of a, a slang term for Americans here. And, and that's what that's all about. And, and it came from a certain place. It came from the fact that uh, in World War II, it, the name Joe was so common that, that it was about 3% of, of the population was named Joe. And, and so if, if you think about that, uh, 3% of the American population was named Joe. That meant that if you were in a room... With, uh, with, with 100 people, that three of them would be named Joe, and you would stumble into them on a pretty regular basis. You, you would stumble into these folks that were named Joe, and, and so they were really sort of common names. And that sense of, of common names is, is something that helps us to gain some entry into what is happening here in the story of Abraham and Sarah. And so here we, we jump into the story of Abraham and Sarah in, in Genesis. And God is coming to a Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai at this point. And he's coming to them and he's saying, hey, I'm giving you some promises. And along with those promises, I'm changing your name. And this is an interesting move that God is doing. He's changing their name. And, and so uh, we, we start to look into those names and, and what they mean. And so usually, you know, if, if you have, you know, so, sort of a, a study Bible or a Bible with notes, it'll tell you that uh, Abram's name, Avram, uh, is, is sort of translated as uh, exalted father or even, you know, a, a son who is exalted into the place of his father. And there's this sense of royalty that actually comes along with the name Avram. And uh, and usually your study Bible will tell you that Abraham means father of many nations, and it's a lie. Uh, it, it sounds a lot like that, but it's not the word exactly. And, and so um, it, it gives you sort of that sense. And then you have uh, Sarah, who uh, Sarah's name is, uh, starts off as Sarai, which is sort of a diminutive. It, it's sort of a, a little Sarah. Um, and then when, when you move into Sarah, then, then it's sort of, okay, she's grown up. Uh, she, she is now, you know, she, she was princess, little princess, and now she's princess, big princess. And 
that too has has something to do with what God is telling Abram and and Sarai as he's changing their names to Abraham and Sarah. But even more than that, it has to do with something that is going to be really different about their lives. And, and so, uh, one of the things that I, I the the thing that I asked you at the beginning of service here is what would you change your name to if you had to change your name? And most of us actually would probably say, "Thanks, but no thanks. I'm not going to change my name." Yeah, you know, some of us maybe are like, "Yeah." I'd change it in a heartbeat, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose the right name, and, and, and it's going to be a good name. I remember as a kid really wanting the name Mark. I thought the name Mark was going to be ri- a, a great name, and I was stuck with, you know, this name Jay, but now, no way. I'm not taking Mark. Mark, you can keep your name, um, uh, it, but it, it, that kind of sense of, like, okay, if you had to, you know, what would you change your name to? And why would you change your name to that? And then how would that be different in your life? You know, you'd have to kind of learn your signature all over again. You'd have to, you know, you'd start to type your old name and then you'd have to, you know, do backspace, backspace, backspace. And then you'd have to, you know, then start writing your new name and all of that stuff. Well, what's going on here in the story is not only is Abraham, Abram and Sarai getting new names, but they're actually getting names that kind of mean something. They're actually getting names that mean something outside of just the meanings themselves. And so if you think about that, think back, take yourself in the way, way back machine and just go to 1950. So are you there? So 1950, the cars are really cool. Um, you know, uh, th- things are, are, are really great. Um, and, and you have neighbors, and their names are Joe and Marie. And, and so they're, they're Joe and Marie. They're pretty common names. You, you know your neighbors. That, that's pretty common. That's pretty normal. Um, now they just change their names to Jose and Maria. And now all of a sudden things are a little different. Well, that's a little bit of what's happening in the reading here. Is that all of a sudden Abram and Sarai get their names changed in such a way that they no longer fit with the the, the sort of Ugaritic language around them. Uh, they, they are a little bit different. They're, they're a little bit of a, a different nationality. And, and God is telling them, this is, this is what I'm doing for you. This is what I'm doing to you. I am making you a new nation. I am not continuing a nation onward. I'm not taking your names as they are and putting them forward. What I'm doing is I'm actually changing you so that what comes from you is a new thing, is a new nation, is a new example of what I want the world to look in and see this is what humanity is all about. And so that is a little bit of what's happening here when God comes to Abram and Sarai and he changes their name and says, from you is going to come a new nation. It's going to be a new nation. And that means change for them. 
And they might be a little bit uncomfortable about that change. There might be something about that change that actually uh, feels a a little bit weird and and funny and different. And I think that's where we enter in with our fear of change. Because we do have kind of a fear of change. We, We can get over it, but we recognize that there's something about change that is kind of uncomfortable and even kind of scary because change puts us into a place where all of a sudden the answers maybe that we didn't have before don't fit. All of a sudden the the things that uh, we thought were sure things are, are, are no longer. And all of us know what it's like to live in a world that's full of change because we're almost at the anniversary of this weird virus outbreak thing. And it has meant for us that almost every morning that we get up, that the question that we're asking ourselves is, okay, what changed today? You know, all of a sudden we woke up this week and we went, oh, no longer are there just two vaccines. Now there's three. Uh, or maybe you're, you're the kind that you're, you're watching all of, of the different mutations of the virus and you're like, oh, now all of a sudden there's a new mutation of the virus over in this place and we have to watch out for that. Or, or maybe you're, you're just like, hey, you know, what are FSU's rules about, you know, who, who can get together and how they can get together and, and how do we work that out? And so there's all of this stuff about uh, how do we deal with change and how do we encounter our fear of change and so when we look at the gospel we we see a moment in which Jesus' disciples are thrust into this moment where where they too are in a situation where they are having to embrace that that fear of change because so far, up until this point, Jesus has been, um, he, he's been a great rabbi, he's been a great healer, he, he's been all sorts of great things, and now they're in this weird place, literally weird place. They're in Caesarea Philippi, which is way north, it's as north as what you can get and still be in Galilee, and so they're, they're there, and they're there amongst a whole bunch of Gentile people, and they're like, uh, Jesus, this is weird. This doesn't feel like home. Yeah, th- this is not exactly what I'm used to. And so all of a sudden, they're even off of their game because of that. But then on top of that, Jesus starts spitting some stuff that just sounds like it's crazy talk, right? Jesus is like, hey, you know what, guys? By the way, I'm going to tell you very plainly here, very plainly, I am going to be murdered, by the religious officials. And then on top of that, I'm going to raise from the dead. And they hear this and they're like, uh, okay, Jesus. All of them except for Peter, that is. Peter, being Peter, takes Jesus aside and he says, Jesus, we don't tolerate that kind of change around here, Jesus, or whatever it's he said when he was rebuking Jesus. Jesus, I don't want you to mess up this good thing that we've got going on. Jesus, I'm afraid of the changes that you're telling me about. Jesus, what is this all about? 
Jesus, don't say that stuff anymore. And Jesus turns around. It's great if you watch how Mark puts together the narrative. He, he literally turns Peter around to look at the other disciples in the crowds, and he then rebukes Peter in front of all of them. Yeah, so so Je- Peter is doing Jesus a solid. He's like, Jesus, come over here. We got to talk. And Jesus is like, nope, in front of everyone. This is the change that we're doing. And all of a sudden, the disciples are in this moment where they're being told about a change in their discipleship. Where all of a sudden, their discipleship is not just following this guy who can teach really well, not just following this guy who can heal sick people, but following this guy who has some real demands for their lives. If anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. That's a change. It's a frightening change. And it's a change that we don't get to say, well, that was just Peter and them. That's the challenge and the change that we are brought into as well. Jesus stands in front of each and every one of us and says, if you would come after me, deny yourself. Deny your own name. Deny the things that you maybe think are true that are outside of what God thinks is true. Deny the things inside of you that you know are sinful. Deny the things inside of you that are wrapped up in just yourself and your selfishness and take up your cross and follow him. Change your name. Change your name with your neighbors. Begin to act differently around them. Begin to act in a way that is maybe more Christ-like. Change your name with yourself. Begin to change your thoughts that you have within yourself about yourself. Change your name with God. And that, thankfully, is the easy one. Because God has already changed your name for you, just like Avram and Sarai. He has changed your name to be the name of his only begotten son. Because that's what Jesus was dying on the cross in order to do for you. He was dying on the cross in order to give you full rights and privileges to his name. So that when the Father looks at you, baptized Christian, that when the Father looks at you, what he looks at you and he says the name that comes up in his head is he looks at you and he says, Jesus! 
Second person of the Trinity, Word, Son, Mine, Beloved. Those are your names before God. Because that's what Jesus paid for. And that is the hope that we live into is that we all have different names on this side of the resurrection, right? We all have our our own little idiosyncrasies. We all have our own little things that are just us. They're, They're not the denial of ourselves. They're the complete idiosyncratic example of ourselves. But then one day in the resurrection... My name will be Jesus. I won't be the same guy as Jesus, but that'll be my name. Because at that point, everything about myself will have been denied. We are called into a hope that says, I can, I can deny myself and take up my cross, not because of those things are easy, not even because those things are in my power, but because I have a hope. Because I have a hope that the identity that I am baptized into is greater than the identity that I have right now. And that's a shocking statement to the world. That's a shocking statement even to ourselves. But it's the statement what it means for us to have faith in Christ. That we have a hope in an identity that is greater than our own. And that we are baptized into his name. Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you live this week as if your name has been changed to Jesus. May you live that out, knowing that that hope will be fulfilled in the day of resurrection. Amen.